Welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast that is your weekly guilty pleasure. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne journalists Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello. Coming up on today's show, J-Lo just about broke the internet this week with her cover on InStyle, how we remember the famous men who abused women and the insidious phenomenon of hate following. But first, Michelle, how has your week been? It was a good week. I would love to thank everyone who mentioned us in their Instagram stories this week. That was great. It was a really delightful experience on last Monday and Tuesday. Everyone was sharing photos on holiday listening, at home listening, having listening parties with their cat. Yes, it was great. And we do try to reply to all of them. I try to emulate Michelle and how she replies to the Instagrams, which is just with a heap of emojis and calling people lovely, which doesn't come naturally to me, but it's what I'm trying to do. We have very different conversational styles. Have you seen how I've tried to emulate how you're responding to people? I did see how you responded to one person with, yes, and then a whole lot of love hearts, which is not very me, but that's fine. I'm not 15. You can be sometimes. You've definitely used the odd yas queen, the lamest, the lamest phrase on the internet in text message exchanges. I really, really do enjoy throwing a bunch of love heart emojis and like the love heart eye emoji is my fave. I chuck that on it's everything. It's a bit of an assault on the eye though, isn't it? Sorry. Apart from that, my week has been really, really good. I'll tell you some of the stuff I've really been loving. The no filter episode with Damon Kidney, who mm. wrote a biography on James Packer. I did listen to that too. What did you think? I, I thought it was good. I think the content of the book and the interview was interesting. I think it was his first interview, so I don't know how comfortable he felt talking about it yet. Yeah, Did same. you get that sense? A little bit, but then again, I loved so much of the content that was yeah. actually shared that, and the insight into his life. That's why it's worth listening to for sure. But I just did, he did seem a bit cagey or didn't know how to answer certain things, which I found interesting in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the stuff about his relationship with Mariah Carey and just little nitty gritty details into the lives of the rich and famous was absolutely riveting Mm. to me. So I really recommend you guys go check that episode of No Filter out. I also really enjoyed, you'll love this, Sarah. I listened to your recommendation from last week, the cut Mm. on Tuesdays. Thanks very much. Episode on extremism. That was brilliant. But I don't want to harp on again because this will turn into the cut on Tuesdays podcast and not shameless. (laughs) Basically, they interviewed, it was a uh, journalist from the cut going back to her hometown and interviewing her school friends and people in the community about one of the women she went to school with becoming a far-right extremist. Yeah, and we're not just talking like a right-wing commentator here. We are talking about a full right-wing extremist. And I found myself going down an absolute rabbit hole Googling Faith Goldie, which is the the woman's name, um, just to see what she does, who she believes, looking at her Instagram account. I think you know it's a good podcast episode or a piece of content when you do spend hours afterwards just going through as much stuff as you can. Did you do that too? Yeah, I did. I didn't do it for hours, but I definitely went and had a bit of a stalk. I wanted to know what she looked like, which 100%. was really unusual. But I think that's pretty natural in podcasts. You you want to put faces to names. Yeah, and to descriptions. They described her hair and mm. her fake tan and everything. So I really wanted to go look at photos of her. My last recommendation is a bit of, bit of a weird one. However, I stick by it. I want everyone to try what I've been having for breakfast lately. Right. Okay, so... <laughs> I've told you this before and you've ignored me, but I've taken it one step further. I have oats every morning, right? And I always melt when I put it into the microwave. I put dark chocolate with it so that it's like chocolate oats. That's not breakfast. That's dessert. No, it's. I I don't care. It's like 85% dark chocolate, so it's kind of of like healthy. Yeah, right. Not really. You put that in, put it in the microwave, take it out, stir through the chocolate, and then add a tablespoon of peanut butter. 
disgusting. No, it's so good. Have I you been implore eating this for breakfast every day, every day. Every day. I think yes. I go through a jar of peanut butter every couple of weeks. Start the day with a sugar high. I love it. Well, it's not that much sugar. There's not much, that much sugar in the chocolate and oh, it's okay. healthy peanut butter. So there. That's how she sleeps at night. <laughs> I recommend that. What about you? How was your week? My week has been good. It is hitting a bit of a snag right now because my car is currently at the mechanics and I'm very nervous about it. I'm waiting for the call from the mechanic for them to tell me how much it's going to cost. Well, we're both notorious for leaving our service dates till the last possible Do moment. Do not try this at home. It's been about a year and a half when I walked into the mechanic this morning. They said the service will cost about five, $600 just doing the basics. And I hadn't even started rattling off all the things that are wrong with the car, not least... All four tires are basically flat. So I actually feel like I've got butterflies as I'm saying this. Um, moral of this story is get your car serviced when you're meant to <laughs> I asked to you avoid bef- this anxiety. I asked you before what amount would you be happy with? And well, you said a grand. I reckon it's going to be so far beyond that. Yeah, well, now I'm like maybe I should be budgeting far higher than that, but I'm not going to think about that right now. <laughs> Um, so that was me. I have to say I listened to a really great episode of the Tim Ferriss show, which I had never listened to before. I always see it in the charts. It's a bit of an older one, but it's with Carly Kloss. Oh, my God. Again. Which is no surprise, but I have to say I know we talk a lot about uh, role models and celebrities who use their fame for good and for bad, but this interview was so good because she seemed quite humble, but also um, – more not not desperately sure of every single thing that was coming out of her mouth, which was really refreshing to listen to, and also how much good she does. I think we are very we can be really harsh on on people in the public eye not using their fame for good. So I also think it's important that we recognise people that might be doing it in a responsible way. So I recommend that interview. I don't think we're in danger of this becoming the cut podcast. I think we're in danger of this becoming Zara Wax's lyrical that Carly Kloss for fifty minutes podcast. I don't know why I like her so much? I actually generally don't get crushes on people. <laughs> But go listen to that podcast. The other really great piece I read was a man repeller one this week. Is it, it about Carly Kloss? Nope. Ooh. It was from August, but one of their writers shared it, reshared it on Instagram this week. And it was about reaction culture, about how we expect everybody to have commentary on any major controversy. And I thought it was so interesting, this piece, because she wrote, and I'm just going to quote a little bit here because it spoke so well to what we expect of people on social media. She said, what happens when people are no longer the sum of their actions, but their reactions? What happens when we aren't what we do, but what we say? One of the biggest issues in placing so much weight in how people respond to the aftermath of an event or news story is that it lays the groundwork for a kind of performative wokeness. This idea that everybody has to weigh in all the time. And when you don't weigh in, you kind of wonder what it's saying about you and your personal brand online, because shouldn't you really be weighing in on everything you should be weighing in on? I thought that was a really great read. I will link that in the show notes because I think it's um, a really important read for kind of the climate that we're in. That is fascinating. I know. Now, talk to me about JLo on the cover of InStyle this week, because... As far as breaking the internet goes, and I hate that turn of phrase, but that's what everyone was using. She broke the internet with this photo. I think we do need a better phrase than break the internet, but I guess it has to, we have to say it was the biggest story of the week in terms of the celebrity news cycle and how prevalent that photo was in our new news feed. So JLo was on the cover of InStyle this week. It wasn't, or this month, I should say, it wasn't the photo on the cover that got 
a lot of traction. It was a car, it was a photo within sort of the editorial spread where she had this kind of green, sparkly, I'm going to call it a cape. Yeah. Because there was nothing on underneath and you just had the whole side of her body completely naked. Do you think that's a good description? Yeah, that was a great description. Thank you so much. How did you feel upon seeing this image? Ah, oh, well, first of all, Obviously, I looked at the photo and was like, fuck, J-Lo is beautiful and very attractive and has an incredible body. She's like the female Benjamin Button. She is crazy. She's almost 50. She turns 50 next year. She's 49 at the moment, which is how maths works. I know we talk about a lot of celebrities. (laughs) You turn 49, then you turn 50. And then what comes after that? 51. Well done. (laughs) I, I know we talk a lot about celebrities getting work done, but honestly, there's only so much stuff plastic surgery can do. Like you, she is just, otherworldly yeah and she doesn't she looks like she's had work done i'll just come out and say it but she (laughs) looks like she's been very cautious with what she's had done to the point where you look at her and you're like she looks amazing like whatever she's had done it's done a bloody good job (laughs) apart from that i think the overriding feeling i have at the moment about women of jlo's age needing to be naked on the cover of magazines and that causing as much fuss as it did is I feel a little bit sad that to be relevant at 49, J-Lo on some level feels like she needs to take her clothes off. That does to a certain extent upset me, not only because of the photo, but because of what she actually said in the profile, which was that she basically is that she basically deprives herself for this body. She doesn't drink alcohol. She never has caffeine. She goes to bed really early. She eats a very strict diet and has a very strict exercise routine. It just feels like women are constantly depriving themselves of things. And yes, she looks amazing, but why do we need a 49-year-old to look 29 for her to be relevant? We don't. I agree that there's a lot of emphasis on JLo's appearance, so we can't say that her relevancy isn't dependent on what she looks like. But in saying that, I don't care occasionally that we're going to focus on somebody's aesthetics because I think that's very natural. I know we talk a lot about how women are more than their appearance, but it's just foolish of us to consider that we're never going to take into consideration aesthetics in a conversation. I would much prefer her to come out and say, I absolutely fully deprive myself of this body and this is what I do, rather than gaslight us into thinking that it's just, you know, a couple of teaspoons of what's that stuff you've been taking? Sunflower seeds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking sunflower seeds. Where'd what, you get that from? You've been doing weird stories on weird diets so you've been taking some weird stuff oh it was bee saliva what did i i'll have you know sunflower Sunflower seeds people actually do eat sunflower seeds and actually not even that whack i wish it was sunflower seeds but i would so much prefer her to be honest about it and i think we've reached this point and i get it's really helpful and i know that we have these conversations all the time where we talk about how other people's appearance makes us feel but at the end of the day i wonder how far we can take this conversation without allowing hot people to just be hot. I I don't know. I feel like my outrage switch is turned off a little at the moment. And I think I have to be honest about that because I can't have opinions or strong opinions about everything in the news no, cycle. No, of course. Well, it's just what you spoke about then with reaction yeah, culture. Yeah, exactly. And I feel when I saw this, I actually just thought that it was a really nice beautiful photo and I think it's important as well sorry I know you tried to say something and then you did the old (laughs) open your mouth and close it again I also think it's it's important too that that a photo can just be a photo it wasn't like 
the entire feature on her was her talking about her body or body image or trying to relate taking her clothes off to feminism. There was nothing like that. It was just, here's a photo, here's the movie that I'm trying to promote at the moment. Put the math, put the maths together. That's maths for you. Yeah. No, I get it. I think my, it's not, I'm not outraged by any no, stretch I of the imagination. Is the wrong is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. I think the juxtaposition of someone like Brad Pitt on the cover of GQ last year, fully clothed mm. in a t-shirt and shorts in every single image. I don't think he took his top off. Think of Johnny Depp on the cover of magazines lately, fully clothed. Men in their 40s and 50s. No one wants to see Johnny Depp with but, his top no, off. No, but this is the thing. I'm kidding, an, mean. an unattractive woman in her 40s and 50s isn't relevant to us, really. To be relevant as a woman at no, that age, I you have to be naked and you have totally. to be hot. I agree with that. And I think we talk a lot about Madonna feeling like to maintain that kind of relevancy after 50, she feels like maybe she needs to take her clothes off too. I get that as an idea. I just don't feel as passionate about that, this image. I really, really don't. I think there's this other idea about not all women have to have cellulite in order to be relatable. I think we, I saw a lot of commentary online about you know, to all the women who, or to all the women who saw this image and, and looked at their own body and thought what was wrong with it. Yeah. Which is an absolutely fair assumption. Of course, I'm going to look at my body and say, well, wow, I'm 24. Why don't I look like a 49 year old? Where's my impeccable ass? Exactly. (laughs) But we don't all have to have cellulite to be relatable. I think we all have our unique vulnerabilities. And I think that's really important too. We can't possibly all just be clones of each other with cellulite on our legs and, and wrinkles on our face and say, look, look at, look at us. We all look the same. I don't think that's healthy either. No, of course. I think I'm coming to it from an age perspective where I don't want us to judge women based on how old they look. And beauty at any age is great, but it's a very specific kind of beauty that they're talking about, which yeah. is often cosmetically enhanced. and no, Almost always. Yeah. So I wish that we would just let women look their own age and let that not determine their relevancy. I think Jayla should be able to be relevant based on the body of work and her career, not how good she looks naked at 49. Mm. I just think it's a bit of a futile discussion. I wish we were focusing more on what she did for work. In saying that too, she's the one that chose this path. Like she's the one that knew this was exactly what was going to get the publicity for the movie. Which is sad. She's been put in a position. Is it though? I mean, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know where I stand on it. Is it sad? Yeah, sure. But if, if there was someone equally as buff, like Bradley Cooper from A Star Is Born on the cover of- Well, this is the thing. He Rolling hasn't. Stone. He knows that he's yeah, relevant on his own. He doesn't need to take his clothes off. Yeah, but off. aesthetics always matters in relevancy regardless of what you look like. I agree. But you can look amazing without taking your clothes I off. I agree that it is far harder for women. And I agree that women tend to take their clothes off in order for those to be relevant. But I don't think that we can say this is just purely gendered. I think we can say that Bradley Cooper's relevancy has peaked not just because he played a great character and, and directed a great movie, but because he was very attractive in that movie too. That's a huge part of the conversation about A Star is Born. Yeah. You agree? Yeah, I do. I just think... I, I also agree with you. I think we are largely on the same page. I guess I'm just a little You're tired. tired sometimes. I I'm get not, really fatigued. I haven't gone ranting on the streets about it. It just, I wish we didn't expect women to look 20 years younger than what they are. There's nothing wrong with looking 49. And mm. yes, it's amazing. Jayla looks incredible. She looks amazing. But should we really hold up this ideal of you should look younger than what you actually are? Yeah, no, and you you are 1000% right. I also think I'm thinking and coming at this from the context of 
some of the good work that InStyle has done under Laura Brown. And I don't, I do think that this is kind of an anomaly under her, Laura Brown obviously being the editor in chief of InStyle. She's done some important political work too. And I don't think that magazine is all about taking your clothes off. I think it was a very deliberate move by her to not put that photo as, as the cover. Do you think so too? I agree. Yeah. So I think I am coming at this from, from a bit of context too, but largely none of us are going to look like JLo at 49 and I'm actually okay with that. I might do a few squats, but apart from that, I'm okay with it as well. (laughs) And now it's time for the quick and dirty. You guys know the drill. Every week we bring you our top five stories from the celebrity news cycle. Zara, you are hosting it this week. I am first story on my list. Kim Kardashian and her sisters strut their stuff as Victoria's secret angels. That's from E! Online. Well, it was one of their many Halloween costumes. (laughs) Someone did post this in our Facebook group, Shameless Celebrity Gossip, this week, saying, did anybody notice that the Kardashians have done about four different Halloween photo shoots? Have they just spent four days in costume? Well, this is the thing. We know that the Victoria's Secret Angel version of their Halloween costume was taken at least a week ago because the photographer's in hospital at the moment. He had a car accident on the weekend so this was planned probably weeks in advance a paid campaign i think so i think it has to be there was a good conspiracy theory on that thread in the group saying that victoria's secret has really suffered not only in relevancy but in terms of actual cash and revenue after taking their massive lingerie catwalk show internationally for the last couple of years so in 2016 it was in paris 2017 in china and that bombed. The Paris show was okay, but the Chinese one was just a clusterfuck, basically. It was hard. I remember there were models struggling to get visas in the days before the show. What I find interesting about this is I also think they've been struggling Victoria's Secret as a brand in the last few weeks. I mean, we will definitely talk about this in the coming weeks, but there has been many uh, models coming out and really criticizing the brand for their lack of body diversity on the catwalk. And that hasn't been good leading into what is their biggest week of the year, which is the catwalk itself. So I do not think it's any surprise that Kim Kardashian and five of her sisters or four of her sisters came together. I, How many are there? I, I have don't know. absolutely no idea off the top of my head and I shouldn't admit that. Um, I don't think it's any coincidence that they're coming out doing this for Halloween. No, and I think it was actually genius because, again, it was everywhere. And I would just like to say I think that photo was so photoshopped as well. You're so telling me that the that Kardashian out. sisters photoshopped an image of them together. Groundbreaking, I know. <laughs> Amazing stuff. Number two, bringing you only the best here. Number two, is it time to stop shopping at Philip Green's Topshop or Top Man? That was an op from The Guardian. Do you want to run through the context? This is a bit I of do. a long-winded one. I'm it interested to see how you can condense it. Okay, so Philip Green is the guy who created Topshop. He is very well-known in the UK, not as well-known over here. And there was a story uh, that British Press wanted to run last week. It was a British Me Too story about a very high-profile British man who had been known to sexually harass, allegedly sexually harass, um, women in the workplace. And at the the 11th hour, this man, spoiler, it's Philip Green, um, (laughs) got an injunction to make sure that they couldn't name him. 
So nobody was allowed to know it was him. So I can imagine how frustrating that would be. If that story came out in Australia, if Tracy Spicer in Australia said that there's a story about a very high profile man, but 24 hours before we were due to publish, he's banned us from naming him. That would be very frustrating. It was very frustrating. What is very interesting, just to take this on a bit of a loop, is in British Parliament, there's, they're exempt from these kinds of laws. So as a, a British politician just named him on the floor of Parliament um, because he's not going to be sued for that. So now everybody knows who it was, which I thought was a really great way around I love it. That that they took the responsibility on themselves to do that. So now we're at a place where a lot of women are grappling with their role in this story and whether our shopping habits need to be revised because of it. Yeah, I feel like they shouldn't. I don't want to feel like I need to be punished and not shop at the shops I want to shop at because a guy did a bad thing. I feel like if Philip Green is going to be punished, he needs to be punished by the board or by the people around him. It is not up to women to sacrifice things that they love purely because someone else did a bad thing. I think it also comes back to that argument we had a few weeks ago around whether or not, uh, I think it was Jamila Jamil we were talking about at the time, should give up her manager and her agent simply because he also represents Mm. men who have done bad things. I think this is really interesting. I don't actually know where to sit, but I don't know if I like that, that line of thought. And I think it, because I think it makes us feel and seem very hopeless and without power. I think that we can vote in our, with our wallets. And that's not just for men who do bad things, but that's for when supermarket chains are bad for the environment or whatever it might be. I think we have a lot of power and I think we should be empowering each other to say, well, if we all don't shop here, we can actually create change and actually make a point. I, it's hard here because we're talking about a store that I have to say, it's not just women. They have top man too. So it's men voting with their wallets too. I don't know if I, it means I'm not going to go into a top shop store, but I do think it's important for us to to talk about how much power we have in our wallets. Yeah, the Hilo discussed this on their podcast this week, and I agree with them saying I would love to sit here and say I'm going to be holier than thou and never shop at Topshop again. But the reality is I like Topshop. When I walk past Topshop, I often like the things in there. And if I like a top in there, I probably won't go, oh, you know what, Philip Green got accused of this thing a few months ago. I'm going to buy the top because I well, love then it. That, I'm just being realistic. Well, then it's the case, and it's not so much that anyway, But because I, I think the clothes at Topshop have gone downhill massively, but that is besides the point. I think it's this other idea that is hard to stomach when we talked about Georgina Chapman months and months ago in the wake of the Harvey Weinstein scandal about how many other people's jobs are at stake here as well. And that- Well, that's the thing. It's not just Philip Green. Philip Green's pockets are well lined. It's everyone around him. If yeah. we stop shopping at Topshop, how many young women and young men are going to lose their jobs? Well, then there's that side of it too. I think we've come to absolutely no conclusion at all, but that's what we're good for. No conclusion other than Philip Green is an absolute douchebag. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly a douchebag. Number three, Gwyneth Paltrow shares first picture of her wedding to Brad Falchuk as dot, 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 as grinning bride greets guests in couture lace Valentino gown from the Daily Mail. Who else? Could we have a quick and dirty without them? No, we couldn't, to be honest. Daily Mail always needs to come in. So does Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm. I loved this wedding dress. I will go out of my way to say this is one of my favorite wedding dresses that I've seen in a long time. I think it was perfect for her and I've just loved it. I loved the back. I loved the style of it on her body. I think it was my favorite wedding dress, celebrity wedding dress of 2018. I'm looking at it right now. It's in front of me. We rarely agree on fashion, so please tell me your thoughts. I don't hate it. I just think it's a bit of a stretch to say best wedding dress of 2018. Well, we haven't seen many good ones. 
This one's true. delightful. Meghan it's Ma- not out there. It's just pleasant and delightful, and I like it. Mm, true. And Meghan Markle could have had that in the bag easily if she didn't. She failed us. <laughs> Where what she did. One of the few times that Meghan Markle is sorry, Meghan. Everyone keeps pulling me up on that. Meghan Markle has failed us. Number four, Bachelor star Casswood fires back over bikini pics from News.com. So Casswood is obviously from The Bachelor, as the headline just said. She got a lot of backlash when she was on the show for having that floss bikini yes that we, we spoke, spoke about, about. she has now come out and shared a photo from the back so she's taken her top off and she's with two other friends who are kind of holding their bikini tops in the, the air classic euro travel <laughs> i'm free and i'm living <laughs> and here's my bra shot yeah. so she's also got obviously like another floss bikini bottom where her bum cheeks are on full display and her instagram caption was an interesting one because she was talking a lot about women supporting women yeah so she's Start, I did send this to you when I saw it. Uh, she started by saying that there's been a lot of talk about women posting in bikinis on social media and how, you know, it's. I don't know where she got this idea from. Clearly somewhere. Um, maybe us. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, that we shouldn't always be flaunting what we've got to young girls, I think was the, the crux of what she thought the conversation was at at the moment. And then she went on to say, anyway, I think that women should support women and Kindness and positivity will take you far. Hashtag women supporting women. Yes, I agree. She should be able to post whatever the hell she wants. I'm not sure how we got to a point where we're talking about floss bikinis and asses and women supporting women. Am I being too harsh? I think it is a weird line to draw. Post whatever you want, but I think be honest about why you're posting it. Posting it because it's a hot photo of yourself. You don't need to come out and be like, I look amazing, so I'm posting this. Like, I'm sure if I get a nice photo of myself, I'm going to Bali in a few weeks. I'm sure if there's a nice photo of me in a bikini, like you in Europe, if I like it, I'll be like, yeah, hell yeah, I'll post that. But I'm not going to put some caption about... I'm so empowered and feminism no, and women supporting but women. But she didn't say feminism or she didn't talk about being empowered in doing it. She talked about how we – She it's kind of this idea that it's almost guilt-tripping other women into feeling like they need to support other women regardless of what their choices may be. Now, I quite like Casswood. I think she seems like a lovely girl. But I reserve the right to comment and analyse Instagram, social media, online activity – regardless of what gender you are. That's not me not supporting you. I will support you and have your back at the end of the day, but we're allowed to analyse why people do things and why you feel the need to upload what you do. Which yeah, we, absolutely. Which you and I have both done in the past too. Absolutely. I've uploaded bikini photos to Instagram, especially when I was younger, quite frequently, and I'm sure I'll continue to do it. If I like the photo, I'm going to post it. However, if I'm thrusting my ass at the camera, there's a reason I'm doing that. Can Nothing. You, can you do that in Bali? Just <laughs> can you imagine? I would actually quite like it if you uploaded a bikini photo just with the caption. But women supporting women. Please like this photo. <laughs> no, I do love Casswood. I think she's amazing. I was confused about the link between the two here. Well, I just think it speaks to how how confused the conversation is about women supporting women. I think women supporting women isn't us agreeing with every single thing a woman does, but it's us having their back at the end of the day, regardless of whether we want to analyze what they're doing. Yeah. And I'm never for hate comments. We're not going to come out and say, oh, you're this and that and name call, but I will definitely do another segment on bikinis and floss bikinis and the trend if I feel like and you feel like there's something cultural behind it, which yes. of course there is. Absolutely. And number five, why for the last year, model Shayan Tozy has kept her pregnancy and birth a secret from Mamma Mia. I really liked this. So Shayan Tozy, if you anyone watched 
the final season of Australia's Next Top Model. They'll be familiar with her. She was also a big name in modelling anyway, but that's how I remember her for sure. She didn't post a single thing about being pregnant and she did an interview about that and the decision, the reasons behind that decision. And I just thought it was really interesting because pregnancy is something that some women really put online and feel like they need to bear all and give updates on their bump. Well, and- at the moment there seems a lot of currency in pregnancy, yeah. in marriage and in pregnancy, and we spoke about this in relation to the royals last week, but a pregnancy post or a baby being born post generates a lot of likes on social media, which is our, our guard stick for how popular something is. Exactly. So she actually chose not to post anything. Part of the reason she didn't share it was because, and I'm sorry if I've pronounced this incorrectly, we have a few doctors and nurses and medical professionals who listen, so my apologies, a rhesus negative blood type, which means that the baby's blood type is almost seen as a virus to the body and it means you can actually try and fight it like you would an infection and it can cause a lot of pregnancy complications and issues. Thankfully, her daughter has been born healthy and fine. I think she's now a few months old, but still there's barely anything about her on um, Cheyenne's social media pages. And I find that interesting. because and refreshing. There is, yeah, there is such a movement of making every aspect of your pregnancy known. Yeah. Exactly. No, I think that is really refreshing. And and it means for a lot of other people and a lot of other high profile people that they have the power to hide what they like too. Often we expect so much, but at the end of the day, they have the power to hide stuff and they reserve the right to hide things. Absolutely. Hey, that's all I've got. Thank you. Mish, you know how terrible I am at makeup, but when I leave the house and I don't have time for a full face of makeup, I still don't want to look like a zombie when I leave for work. All right. First tip is get that extra five minutes of sleep. That's my number one thing. Sleep in, and then all you need to chuck on is a bit of concealer and a Lulu Lips lipstick. They're the brainchild of Melbourne-based makeup artist Louise Griffin, and they are friggin' gorgeous. You know how lipsticks can make your lips feel a bit cracked and dry? Yeah, no. These are so hydrating. They stay all day. They feel lovely on the lips. Uh, My favourite is Venus from the Goddess range. How do they go about the nudes? Because nudes always seem to wash my my face out when I wear them. Well, I'm more into reds, but I do know that the nudes are gorgeous. They don't give you that look that you have foundation on your lips like we did in year eight and nine. I know the one. Yes. So they're gorgeous. They're also cruelty-free, easy to apply, and perfect for beginners just like yourself. And shipping? Shipping. They ship all across the country and internationally. I'm going to go check them out. Thank you to Lulu Lips for making this episode of Shameless Possible. Who exactly is Charlie Sheen? As the 53-year-old prepares to tour Australian cities, his promotion partners describe him as Hollywood royalty. But for others, he's nothing more than a violent criminal who should have his visa revoked. The two-and-a-half men actor who pled guilty to assaulting his then-wife, Brooke Mueller, in 2010, is about to rake in cash for doing a series of live shows in Sydney and Melbourne. Prices range from $90 to, get this, $1,500. Zara, how do you feel about us literally giving this man a huge platform and paying him to speak? Brilliant. (laughs) I'm kidding. There's something desperately uninteresting to me, and I would go as far to say a lot of the women in our demographic age-wise, there's something desperately uninteresting about Charlie Sheen, and I don't know if it's because we tend to find train wrecks pretty uninteresting. There's also this sense of of being a lost cause around him, that there's nothing we can do to change him, so he's just a total lost cause. But I I wonder why, and I do wonder why 
that's why it's only taken until now for us to start talking about this because I heard on the radio two or three weeks ago, commercial radio was advertising Child Issues speaking to her. Oh, they've been flogging it. It's been everywhere and it's only in the last week or so that people have started to, or even the last couple of days, that people have started to oppose it. And I just wonder if it's because we feel like his crimes, quote unquote, have expired, that there's kind of like a statue of limitations on being an arsehole. And when it hasn't been in the press for a long time, we sort of tend to forget and move on very quickly. Well, you know the really weird thing? When I think of Charlie Sheen, when I heard those ads on radio, I completely forgot about his rap sheet with domestic Mm. violence. All I thought about was, oh, he's that dickhead who does too many drugs and had a bit of a weird patch when he kept talking about winning and other random... Do you want to go through his domestic violence allegations? I do. Okay. Charlie Sheen shot his ex-fiancee in the leg in the 1990s. It was brushed off as an accident at the time. However, in the preceding years, I think we can probably come to a conclusion that it might not have been an accident. That's all I'm going to say. In 1998, he was put on probation for slamming his girlfriend's face into a kitchen floor. His former wife, Denise Richards, says he threatened to kill her when she filed for divorce. His third wife, Brooke Mueller, says he knocked her unconscious and threatened to kill her. Ten years later, he threatened to stab the same woman in the eye after they were divorced. He threatened to kill a porn star. He has been involved in so many domestic violence allegations with separate women. He has been put on probation. He has served time. He has been punished. He's pled guilty. He's denied a lot of them publicly, but pled guilty to at least two of these things. Yes. And yet here is Richard Wilkins Mm. and a promotion company and Kiss FM wanting to put him on a platform and show him off to be this entertaining, funny guy that we should give money to. And I'm sorry, I don't care if this affects my relationship with Kiss FM, if they ever want to work with me or whatever. That is so fucked up that someone can do that to women for so many years. And I'm going to get upset and I don't want to get upset. That is so fucked up. Like, why would we let him? Why would we give him a platform if a woman did that to children or other women? We would never let her have a platform again. And we'd yet- never give her a voice. We would never let her speak again. We would never see her again. What is Kiss FM doing? What's Richard Wilkins doing? What like what the fuck? That is he slammed his girlfriend's face into the floor. I don't even care if he denies that. Come for me, Charlie Sheen's people, please. Because his rap sheet doesn't Allegedly, read fantastically. I'm gonna throw it in there because I can't be fucked being sued. But I think it's I I agree with everything you're saying, obviously, and it's so, so awful and actually terrifying when you have those lists of allegations going boom, boom, boom in front of you. And I think there are, I think there will be a lot of people listening to this having no idea the extent of what he's accused of. It's sad that it's taken someone like Tom Maher, the husband of the late Jill Maher, who was murdered on the streets of Melbourne um, five or six years ago, to come out and be one of the, the loudest voices behind this. I think he tweeted this week, can I ask why you think it's appropriate to grant a visa to this violent criminal at a time when men are murdering women at epidemic rates and thousands more are terrorised every day by men like him? Tom Maher went on to say this guy is actually seeking character rehabilitation in a country that's in the midst of an epidemic. He's coming here for some kind of absolution from anything of his crimes to remake his brand in a country that's still 
can't sort their shit out when it comes to domestic violence. Over a dozen women have died in Australia at the hands of men in the last month, less than a month, about three weeks. And now we're parading this guy around like a party boy. He's not a party boy. He's a violent criminal. This is what I find very interesting about how we frame Charlie Sheen is as a bad boy and not kind of a little bit evil. Yeah. I find it interesting in that we... I do find it very interesting in that when Chris Brown was trying to come to Australia for a tour, immigration department rejected his visa. When Floyd Mayweather also tried to come, who is also um, uh, is a rapist, who has also been found guilty of rape. And now we have someone like Charlie Sheen who has pled guilty to certain things being allowed in. I don't know what it is. I wonder if, A, it's a prime thing that Floyd Mayweather and Chris Brown were in their prime when they came here. Charlie Sheen is certainly not in his prime. I wonder if we think being washed up means they're irrelevant and that your history and past is irrelevant, which I absolutely disagree with. But also I wonder if there's a race element going on here. I, oh, I that's think so, that's so there's true. such a difference between being a bad boy and being dangerous. And I think we look at people like Chris Brown and Flo Mayweather and think of them as dangerous. And I think when we frame someone like Charlie Sheen, it's always as a rich white man who's a bad boy. Oh, that's I had never even thought of that. And I think that's actually spot on. The, the most disturbing thing about this is that Charlie Sheen has proven for decades that he does not see women as equals and he does not see women as humans. So there was a quote in a profile that was written in Vanity Fair in 2011. It was written by Mark Seal. He interviewed a lot of people in Charlie Sheen's orbit. One of the quotes was from a, I'm not sure what the correct term is. I think it's a madam or a madame. I don't know how to actually pronounce it, but someone who basically organizes escorts to come out to you. And this was a quote that they gave Mark Seal. He gave me, as in Charlie gave me, a check for 20 grand and said he wanted me to work for him exclusively, recruiting girls. What did he want? Two tits, a hole and a heartbeat. How can you describe women like that? And how can we still look at this man and be like, sure, let's put him up on a stage in front of a thousand people and shell out $90 minimum each. That's how much I paid to go to Taylor Swift. It's really sad to me that in the midst of the Me Too movement back in November last year, when brands or businesses were involved with men who were violent or sexually aggressive, they people power was really important and they had to cut ties. There was absolutely no option that, than for them to cut ties. Somehow a year later, it's it's sort of like everyone's going blind and Companies have jumped on Charlie Sheen and thought, yeah, this is a great money spinner. There's absolutely no consideration for what happens when we start having this massive conversation again about how stupid and irresponsible it is for brands to jump on Charlie Sheen. But obviously they've thought the risk was worth it, that there's a massive chance that there'll be absolutely no consequences and for them that's worth it. Well, it's really interesting, the jokiness of the whole thing as well. A lot of those radio ads that I've heard, and they are absolutely flogging this on KISS FM. The amount of ads I've heard is ridiculous. It's all talk about it being a big laugh fest and him being aloof and a quirky character. But the reality is he's not a quirky character. We're lining the pockets of a violent man who fucked away all his money for years and is now trying to seek some type of financial redemption because he was being paid $2 million an episode and openly admits he didn't save a cent. The rumour is that he's millions of dollars in tax debt or some kind of debt in the US as well, that this is just people who are buying tickets for this going straight into the pockets of whoever he owes debt to. There was a really interesting piece in 2011 from Anna Holmes who started Jezebel. Isabel. 
And she wrote about the misogyny of Charlie Sheen. Now, this is seven years ago, and yet here we have a man that still has a platform. She said, and this is a long quote, but I think it's really important. There's something else at work here, the seeming imperfection of Mr. Sheen's numerous accusers. The women are of a type, which is to say, highly unsympathetic. Some are sex workers, pornographic film stars and escorts, whose compliance with churlish conduct is assumed to be part of the deal. For the record, it is not. Others, namely Miss Richards and Miss Mueller, are less famous starlets or former, quote, nobodies whose relationships with Mr. Sheen have been disparaged as purely sexual and transactional. The women reside on a continuum in which injuries are assumed and insults expected. Good God, that's so true. I think how we frame the accusers is always incredibly important in the ensuing conversations and how we consider the reputation of the man. And it is very clear that none of these women have been given much power in this conversation or taken very seriously. And that has a huge impact on whether we do see Charlie Sheen as just a bad boy or a very, very violent man. Yeah. Even though the shows have already happened, so Melbourne was on Saturday night and Sydney was on Sunday night. I think if you know someone who went to that show, they probably didn't realise anything about the rap sheet. They might have heard whispers about Charlie Sheen and domestic violence, but I think we really need to take these people to task. I think Kiss FM should be quite harshly critiqued. And for me, I think it's most interesting that Kiss FM's audience is predominantly women. So for them to take on this kind of money and this kind of sponsorship, despite that, is curious and something that absolutely should be questioned. This week, our Facebook group was alight with a conversation about hate following. It came after Geordie Shaw's Marnie uploaded an ad on Instagram that had many followers accusing her of both Photoshop and plastic surgery. The conversation in our Facebook group, though, focused less on Marnie and more on why we have a morbid fascination with those on social media whose activity very much annoys us. As we begin to think smarter and harder about our consumption of social media, Mish, why do you think hate following is becoming such a phenomenon? I don't know, but I've done it since I've had social media. I think this is going to depict us as quite ugly people, this segment. But I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we all love a bit of a hate follow or hate stalk. First of all, I do want to make a distinction. There is a massive difference between silently stalking someone and actually being a massive troll and leaving nasty comments. We're not trolls. We're just talking about what's going on in our heads and the reasons why we tend to check in on people we don't really like. Yes. Good distinction. We're just <laughs> hating in our heads. I read a great piece on this for Man Repeller by Rachel Siemens. Yes, so did I. Did you? This was really good. And she sort of broke down the flavors of hate following to kind of three three types. The self-righteous hate follower, the jealous hate follower, and the scapegoat hate follower. Which are you? The self-righteous, for so sure. Absolutely self-righteous. And the minute she put those together, it it cleared up a lot of my thought process around this and why I do it and what the people that I hate follow all have in common. You know what one of my main hate following things is? Just giggling to myself or finding joy in beautiful people writing dumb things. I think that must be a cross-section between being jealous and being self-righteous. I think so because I think in my head 
realistically you can't be that genetically blessed and also blessed with an amazing mind or great intellect like you you get one or two so it's two. you patting yourself on the back saying well i'm not beautiful but at least i can spell exactly it's kind of like the uh the whole basis of chat 10 looks three i might have good <laughs> chat don't have good looks do you have chat that's 10 though oh I don't oh, rate wow. my chat quite highly. Okay. We do have a podcast that people listen oh, to. Clearly we rate our chat highly. We put microphones in front of our face every week. <laughs> I just wanted to say what you'd say. I, it's so funny. Last week we spoke a, we spoke a lot about self-awareness. But for me, I don't just hate follow on Instagram. I hate listen to certain podcasts. And I think the more I've tried to consider and sort of analyze my own actions doing this, I've realized that I, I listen to podcasts that – and this might sound like a wank, but I'm just going to tell it like it is. I, I listen to podcasts that I don't necessarily like as much because it really helps me craft my own voice. I listen to them because it helps me work out what I want to be, what I want to say, what I value, how I perceive somebody else's podcast could very much be how they perceive ours. And for me, that's very important. So it makes me analyze what we do a lot. I know that's not as relevant because I know not everybody just has their own podcast and that's why they hate follow. But for me, that was very helpful in working out why I do what I do. Well, it sounds quite bizarre, but I actually think hate following helps me anchor my own place in the world it by realizing. Absolutely does. Yeah, in realizing who and therefore what I am not, yeah. I know myself more strongly, or I'm more. I have more conviction about what I'm doing and where I'm going because I can differentiate between what I do and don't want to stand for. Well, there was an interview um, with a psychologist for Grazia a couple of years ago. Oh, my God. I read this as well. Did you? Yes. It's so funny. We don't prep together. We deliberately don't talk about what we prep either. And Dr. Leslie Prince is a psychologist who specialized in group dynamics. And she said, did you have this quote down? Yes. It's easier to define yourself (laughs) negatively than it is to do so positively. You get it a lot in politics. I don't like this state of affairs, so I oppose it. It's much easier than proposing something new. That's what I had written down. It is very true in that politicians define themselves very much by what they aren't than what they are. And I think I do that a lot with myself by defining myself. Somebody asked me right now what I stood for. I would be much more comfortable telling them what I don't stand for than what I do stand for, what I don't like rather than what I do like. When I was looking at Instagram and the podcasts that I tend to hate follow or hate listen, I realized that all of them have one thing in common and that is narcissism. You hate narcissism. I hate arrogance more than anything in the world. Yes. And that's what I hate follow. And I think that says a lot. Mm -hmm. An absolute lot about what I value, who I want to be, how I want my own social media presence to come across. And I think if we all actually analyzed what we were hate following, it would say a whole lot about who we are. Absolutely. I think we do as a human race struggle with constantly being anti-stuff and that's something that Tim Minchin talked about in that great speech. I actually put that in the Facebook group this week as well. But we can't just be anti-stuff all the time. We need to be really actively pro-stuff. And that's something I really need to work on myself because even some of the women we've discussed on this podcast in the past, I will look at their social channels and think, oh, I don't like that. I'm anti that. But then I don't often talk about the women that I love to follow Mm. on social media. Mm. So it's something that I really need to actively look at myself. What I find really interesting is that a lot of the psychologists that I read when we were researching for this piece really created a link between feeling vulnerable or having a bad day and hate following. So you're far more likely to seek out content that you feel negatively about on days where you feel negative about yourself. Well, there was a study about that. In 2014, 
Ohio State University, I think, did a study into social networks and did find that when people are in a bad mood, they're more likely to linger on the social media profiles of people who are worse off than them. Now, worse off is obviously incredibly subjective. It might not necessarily mean they are quote unquote poorer than you or doing worse than you, but someone that makes you feel better about yourself, someone that makes you feel a little smug in yourself, especially considering social media often makes us feel the opposite. It often makes us feel inferior. So I think that when we deliberately seek this stuff out, we're doing it to make ourselves feel good in a way. Absolutely. I think another aspect to hate following, just thinking about the post that was in the Facebook group originally about Marnie from Geordie Shaw, I think the jealousy aspect isn't just a looks-based thing. It's almost a luck-based thing that I hate follow some reality stars or influencers who I feel like potentially didn't work for all the money. And that's just a lot, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just saying this is a lot about what you value because I don't know anything you hate more than people who just fall into things. Yes. You hate narcissism and I hate nepotism and I hate inequality, basically. And I hate people getting an unfair leg up on the competition. Even though that's capitalism in the world (laughs) I'm gonna really struggle with it until I'm about 90 years old but that is part of it for me that I look at some of these people particularly YouTubers I do it way less on Instagram than I do on YouTube and I cannot deny this I'm just being super candid I watch some YouTubers and the entire video might be 17 minutes long I spend the entire time going you don't deserve that your content is shit. You don't even put good content out. You're just born attractive. You have a YouTube channel and suddenly you've got all this money and followers and fame when you haven't actually done anything to earn that. We are talking a lot about how it can be healthy and how it can help us work out what we value and who we are and who we want to surround ourselves with. But I do think it's worth us going into the, the realm of when it's actually not healthy. I, I, it can breed a kind of nastiness, I think, when we hate follow together. I think it can breed a kind of pack mentality, a group think where we hate follow the same kinds of people. And I think it can dehumanize the people that we follow. Absolutely. And I have been wondering what actually happens when we do breed all this hate. Where does that hate go? On the days when we hate follow and we're not doing it to make ourselves feel better, but on the days when it actually does make us angry, what do we do with that anger and is it actually good for us? Well, I think a major part of it is when it it doesn't become just about you anymore, that it becomes something the community is based around. And I think this happens a lot. Oh, absolutely. I'm not sure if anyone listening is familiar with Gomi. It's called Get Off My Internet. No. It basically looks at anyone famous on the internet and is just threads of critiquing them. Same with Guru Gossiper, which is major for YouTube influencers. It is a very toxic, nasty place of the internet. For example, when we wrote about Sarah's Day, when I wrote that blog post and we did the segment, that Sarah's Day segment was put into Guru Gossiper and there was a whole bunch of people talking about it. And obviously we like to do things in either a journalistic way or a helpful way or a constructive way that type of conversation is very different in those gossip channels where it's turned into, why does she stand like that? Why does she look like that? It's very nasty and bullying and behavior. personal, absolutely personal. We see this a lot with Ashley Bynes when we've touched on Ashley Bynes' truth. I know there's a huge debate on whether some of that is justified and I would say some of it is, but some of that has absolutely crossed the line into groupthink nastiness. And well, some of it in our own Facebook group crosses the line and we have to be really active in well, deleting it's that. true. And we are very conscious of that because I think when you have a huge group of people, people can make commentary or join some sort of pack mentality without kind of realizing what 
they're doing. And when you've got a good, a big group of people, like we do have what three and a half, four thousand people in that group, it is a bit stressful trying to monitor how people are communicating with each other about others. Because it can start very slowly. The first post can be quite innocent yeah. and then very, very quickly it descends into a territory that isn't helpful for anyone and is quite insidious and nasty and gross. So, yeah, I mean, I, I will always hate follow. I think it's something that's innately human. I think we all do it if you want to admit it or not. I will never hate comment or troll anyone. I think that's disgusting. And I will, wherever I can, try and not participate in any of those groups where they la- they just lash out at one human being. It's I really don't gross. Think they, I think they are some of the unhealthiest spots on the internet and far unhealthier than someone's uh, ass photo on Instagram, if I'm honest. I don't know if ass photo is a genre of Instagram photo. <laughs> but it probably is. How much do you think jealousy plays into it? Uh, a little bit. I think the jealousy, jealousy for me mostly comes from them earning a very generous income through not that yeah. much work. Yeah. Like content's hard. I, I'll be the first to admit that curating Instagram is a special kind of work. It's not as hard as other jobs like being a nurse or being a teacher or yeah no I agree and I think there is such a fine line between being self-righteous and being jealous you know I speak about how I really don't like arrogance and narcissism on Instagram could keep me up at night if I let it but I wonder if there's also elements of jealousy in that in maybe maybe part of me wishes I could speak about achievements or myself in a way that I actually simply can't. I don't know. I am still making sense of that. But I do think there is such a crossover in all of the flavors, as Rachel Siemens put it in for Mount Repeller, the flavors of, of hate following. Yeah. And do come into the Facebook group and talk about that with us because we'd love to know what flavor you are of a hate follower, if you're the same as us or if you're a bit different. And not necessarily who you hate follow because I think that's a quite a personal experience and <laughs> I don't want to name, but I do want to know the psychology behind it. Maybe the genre of people you hate follow. Like yeah. Beauty YouTubers <laughs> is mine. I'll just put that out there beauty youtubers is my genre of hate following doesn't follow a genre they are the most random collection of people but they all share that one quality narcissists yeah there you go hey i think that's all we've got time for today i agree thank you so so much for joining us for whatever episode this is that we're now up to let's say 34 i'm gonna call oh i was gonna say 35 nah 34 okay Thanks for listening to episode 34 twice. We so appreciate all you guys do to support us, particularly online. Like we mentioned at the start of today, your Instagram stories this week kind of did blow us away. And thank you so much for sharing that. If you can keep sharing, that would be so helpful in getting the word out to about what we do. They make my day. They actually yeah, make my really day lovely. seeing not only the screenshots, but actual photos of you guys going for walks or on holidays or whatever. I love it it makes us so happy to know you guys not only enjoy the podcast but want to share it with your friends is such a flattering lovely thing for you to do so thank you it's true and if we could dare to do so may we also ask for you to rate and subscribe and review the podcast we know we're asking a lot today but if you do like the show and you want to put that somewhere i would recommend putting it in the review section on the Apple podcast you don't have to but if you have a spare 30 seconds and you want to take some time out of your hate following today why not it's just true, chuck it's us a review mind. otherwise come and join us in our facebook group shameless celebrity gossip or on on instagram too we are our handle is what Oh, shameless podcast. There it is. Ding, ding, ding. You guys are the absolute best. Thank you so much for supporting us every single week. And we will have a new shiny episode in your feed next Monday. Thanks so much, guys. Bye.
Oh, hi. It's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week. Now, every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to... To our show, please do head to your favorite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.